1: I seem to be spending a lot of time in medical buildings. But anyway, that's where I was. And I was in a medical building last week. And as I was waiting for the elevator, a lady was there. And uh, I don't remember how I got on the subject. And I remember how she even told me this. But she said to me that she had just lost her husband three months ago. And uh, I said, Well, I lost my wife two years ago. And then she says to me, Tell me it gets easier. and And I said, Well, I told her that. Yes, it gets a lot easier because I never lost the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've grown to love him more now with the passing of my wife. So all the hardness has been taken away. This is, hey, Jacob here. This is Israel that's rising above all this. That's what we're seeing here with Jacob. Jacob puts the pillar over Rachel's grave. Israel moves on in his life. It's not just the man, Jacob, that was able to rise above his grief and his sadness. This was the prince with God. This was Israel. He journeys on. So it's very important for us to see in these verses how to rise above the sorrows and griefs in life. Okay, now we come to verse 21. It says, Israel journeyed and spread his tent beyond the Tower of Adar. Now, what's interesting here is we look at this word again, we talked about Israel and Jacob in comparison and how, okay, we talked about that already. But now there's another part here. And, and you look at this and you say, Israel journeyed, and spread his tent. Now, we know Israel means prince with God. So let's just plug in that word and plug in that definition for the and, and read that verse 21 like this. And the prince with God journeyed and spread his tent. The prince with God spread his tent. Say what? The prince with God is living in a tent. Yeah? I mean, how can that be? It brings us, we see that it makes us consider the Lord Jesus Christ because it says in Matthew 8.20, I mean, he says about himself, and it's very interesting what he says. He says, and Jesus saith unto him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man hath not where to lay his head. I mean, this again, this is an astounding statement. It's like the prince with God spreading his tent, living in a tent. I mean, this is, a st- here's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's really, when you read this, you understand, he's a poor man. He's a poor man. He doesn't even have a house or a home of his own. He didn't even have a job to make money in. I mean, he left being a carpenter. Not that that was such a lucrative job, but it was a job. And so how did he live? If he gave up his livelihood of being a carpenter, well, clearly he was dependent on the hospitality of others, it says in Luke 8.3, Luke 8.3, Johanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. So they gave him. Oh, was that a steady income? I mean, you know, as the Jewish mother father said, you're gonna live how? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was, for all of his life. You look at his life, he was always so grateful. He was always giving thanks. Really was a life of gratitude, and so as a matter of fact, he was so grateful that he made a living on gratitude. He made a living on gratitude. A person who lives on gratitude, he's got a stable livelihood. That's what he'd had. Now, but the point is, when he says that he didn't have like the foxes and the birds, he humbled himself to that level. He humbled himself where when he said, "Foxes have more than I do. Birds have more than I do." And in other words, foxes, they've got a hole to run into for safety. Birds, they have a nest. They can be warm in there, and I don't have either. And he described this situation, and he used a very special name for himself. What was the name he used for himself? Son of man. He calls himself the son of man. That's a distinctive name, a distinctive name that the Lord Jesus Christ used for himself. That's a very important name, the son of man. Because the Son of Man embodies something very special about the Lord Jesus Christ. That title, the Son of Man, he used over 70 times in the New Testament. That is his name. That is the name that he uses for himself. Now, son of is just son of. That's very important because it points back to the father, right? He said that Simon bar Jonah, bar his son, Jonah is a person, so Simon, son of Jonah, right? James and John, who were the sons of Zebedee, right? So some might have expected that the Lord would call himself bar Yosef, Bar-Joseph, or son of Joseph, but he didn't do that. He didn't do that, which shows that the name son of man is a statement of denial. It is a statement of denial. He is denying being limited to a particular man, as Joseph, let's say, for example. So when he calls himself the son of man, he's denying that he has any house or any home that would be his by right of inheritance from a family from his father, for example. So when he calls himself the son of man, he's denying that he has any wealth, that he has any lands by right of an inheritance from family. I mean, he calls others, son of a certain man, but he denies that title for himself. He's not the son of any particular man. So if the name son of man denies him from being a part of any family, then what does he mean by son of man when he says that? He calls himself son of man. He's embracing all of mankind by being the by being the, the, the son of all mankind, he's just like a, he's like the son of humanity, you know. And he's not just the son of one particular man or family. When he calls himself the son of man, he's saying this is the son of all men. He's the humanity son. He belongs to all men. When he calls himself the son of man, he's not calling himself the son of the Jews. There's no Jewish. There's nothing Jewish about saying son of man, or the son of the Jewish people. He's calling him the son of all people of all time. and he calls himself the Son of Man. he's fulfilling the promise that was made to Abraham that far surpassed just the Jewish people in the Abrahamic promise in Genesis 12:3 when God promised to Abraham, Genesis 12:3, "And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed, all men." Of the Earth be blessed, and the Abrahamic promise then the blessing to all families, it's, it was confirmed again to Jacob, and, he, and Jacob it was says, someone's going to come from your seed," he said in Genesis 28:14, Genesis 28:14, and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west to the east and to the north and to the south, and in thee, and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So when he calls himself the son of man, he is saying that he's denying being just of Joseph or just the son of Mary or just the son of the Jews. He's the son of all men. He belongs to the human race. And as the son of man, every person everywhere has a right to choose him as the son of man to be their savior from sin. And this all-inclusive right of everyone to choose him as the son of man this is what he's emphasizing. You know, if he would have said, I'm the son of the Jews, then, you know, Gentiles would, okay, you know, I guess you're on that side of the line and we're on this side. He said, no, there's no line. He says, in Revelation, we get this emphasized in Revelation 14, 6, where it says, I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. So it's because he's the son of man that the everlasting gospel is preached to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. See, the title of son of man, it doesn't just mean that the everlasting gospel is preached to certain people, most to everyone. Daniel saw this. Daniel saw this. He saw this title, and he saw that it means that in Daniel 7.13. When Daniel wrote Daniel 7.13, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the son of man, which came from the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days, and they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, languages, should serve him, and his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not be passed away, his kingdom which shall not be destroyed. So this is encompassed in the term son of man. The son of man means he's the escape hatch. For all men, escape hatch from what? From their personal sin and all the consequences of their personal sin, like judgment, like eternal separation from God in a place of unending pain and suffering. So the son of man, he does this because he makes himself as the son of man. He makes men alive, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15. 45, 15, 1 Corinthians 15, 45. And so it is written, the first Adam, the first man, the first Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam, the last man, was made a quickening spirit, spirit that makes others alive. Howbeit, That was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Stephen, he's being stoned to death, being stoned to death. His last words, is a report. He says what he sees in Acts 755. Acts seven fifty-five. And and he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. It's a very important name, very important name for the Lord Jesus. And that's the name that he used It's a name he almost used exclusively to call himself because it expressed that he's the savior of all men. You know, other people, they called him the son of David. He never called himself the son of David. But others did. That's his Jewish name, the son of David. Like the two blind men in Matthew 20, verse 30. Matthew 20, verse 30. Behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. Or the Gentile woman, she wasn't even Jewish, she was a Gentile woman from Canaan, but she had a demon-possessed, or demon-oppressed daughter in Matthew fifteen twenty two. Matthew fifteen twenty two. She uses that name, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil." I mean, the whole book of Matthew, it starts off, verse 1. This is the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. When he walks into Jerusalem on there, uh, he comes in Jerusalem on, on, the, on the donkey there. He comes on Palm Sunday in Matthew 21, 9, to 21, 9. That's the name they called him. It says, and the multitudes that went before and then followed him saying, Hosanna, thou son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. So this is how he was seen also by the Pharisees when he asked them this question who they thought the Messiah was. And so Matthew twenty two, forty two, when they would I should say this is how the Pharisees saw the Messiah. Matthew twenty two forty two, he said to them, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, The Son of David, son of David. He was the son of David. He never called himself the son of David. He never called himself by his Jewish name, the son of David. He called himself the son of man. And the title of the son of God, that's his divine title. It's his divine title. And that's the name that John would declared in John one thirty four. And I saw and bare record that this is the son of God. This is the son of God. This is Nathanael's confession of faith. Nathanael's confession of faith in John one forty nine. Nathanael answered and saith to him, Rabbi, thou art... The son of God, thou art the king of Israel. This is the point of conversion, especially for Jewish people. And the Ethiopian eunuch's salvation is that he confessed Jesus Christ as God. Because he said, in Acts 8.37, Acts 8.37, Philip saith, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest, in other words, be baptized. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. That's the way it is, especially for Jewish people. It's not an issue of whether or not he's the Messiah. That's not an issue. That doesn't even come close to the Himalayas that they got to get over. The Himalayas they got to get over is he's God. That's the Himalayas. And when any any person, especially a Jewish person, believes that the Lord Jesus Christ is God, he's saved. And that's encompassed in his title, Son of God. He was God, and therefore his title is the Son of God, but never called himself. By that title. Instead, he always goes back to this title, son of man, son of man. He loves the title, son of man. He uses the title. He uses it. He says, when he describes his mission, he doesn't say son of David, son of God, king of Israel. No, he says in, in Luke 19.10, his mission statement is, for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. He loves his title as the son of man. He used that title when he describes how he's going to be betrayed we just had, just had the Lord's table. And we're thinking about that. The betrayal in Matthew 26.2. Matthew 26.2. You know that after two days of the feast of Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. He loves this title of the Son of Man. He uses it when he describes his capture, his court trial, and who's going to execute him. He tells in Mark 10.33, Mark 10.33, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man... Shall be betr- delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles, in other words, for execution. He loves his title as the son of man, and he uses that title, he describes the necessity of his death in the famous John three chapter, just two verses before John 3:16, John 3:14, John 3:14. and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of man. Be lifted up. He loves that title. He loves the title of the Son of Man. He uses it, he describes how he's going to be buried for three days. He says in Matthew 12 40, Matthew 12 40, for as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He loves his title. He loves the title, of the Son of Man. He uses it, he uses it to describe the second coming and the power that he's going to have in Luke twelve forty. Be ye therefore ready also, Luke twelve forty. For the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. He says in Matthew twenty six sixty four. Matthew twenty six sixty four. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said. Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. He is the Messiah, no doubt about it. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. But apart from one instance. Oh, when he was alone in a well with a woman, uh, uh, not a Jewish woman, but as a well, it's the only time he ever said that he was the Messiah. He, he has the son of man. He's the son of God. He has the son of man. He's the Messiah. He has the son of man. He's just like you and I, except he doesn't have sin. See, that's a Hebrews 4.15. Hebrews 4.15. We have not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmity, was... All points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. When he says he's the Son of Man, it's speaking about what he did to himself in Philippians two seven. Philippians two seven, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a certain, was made in the likeness of men, Son of Man, was made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man, Son of Man being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, if there's one truth that's attacked by the devil, it's to destroy the Lord Jesus as the son of man and fully man. I've seen this before. I just saw it recently. It's wrong to say that Jesus died a supernatural death. He did not die a supernatural death. He died a natural death. Because as the son of man, he died like you and I die. That's the reason I'm not on a radio station up in Los Angeles, because the owner who is now not there. But anyway, he said that he didn't die like you and I died. All right. He gave up the ghost. He died like you and I did because he died as the son of man. And this is what he's emphasizing himself by always referring to himself as the son of man. As the son of man, he was God. As the son of man, he was the Messiah. But he wanted others to see that for themselves. He wasn't going to tell them. And so he turns to his disciples in Matthew 16, 13, Matthew 16, 13, and he says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, well, some say that thou art John the Baptist, and some Elias, and others, Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets. And he saith unto him, but who say ye that I am? Now remember, he's asked them, who do they say that I, the son of man, am? I'm telling you that I am the son of man. So who do you think I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. I say unto thee also that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. Gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I'll give unto thee the keys kings, kings of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Why? He just wants to be known as the son of man. Then it comes up to Revelation as to whether or not they're gonna realize who he was. To realize this truth, that God became a man, and then the Lord Jesus was a person who was fully man and fully God, and fully man he dies for our sins that's the gospel. The Gospel is to see that the lord that the Lord Jesus as God, he made and he hung the stars in space, but as the Son of Man, he was hung on a tree. See the gospel is the Lord Jesus is seeing him as he used his hands to form man. And then his hands get driven through with nails. And, and the Lord Jesus, as God, he uses breath to give us life. But as the son of man, he's made to suffocate in the fluid that's collecting in his lungs on in the, in the cross there. He gives us water to drink and, as, as God. And as the son of man, he's made to thirst on the cross. He's as God, he's light, as we were talking about earlier, light of the world. But as the son of man, he's put into a dark tomb. He, he has a heart of love as God when he gives man life, but then as the son of man, his heart is pierced through with a sword. So when he says this verse in Matthew 8, 20, Jesus said unto him, the foxes have holes and the birds have the air have nests, but the son of man hath not where to lay his head. He's really talking about provision because you saying, look, why do the foxes have holes and the birds have nests? Because God has provided for them. God has provided them. He's provided for the foxes and the birds. He provides food for all the animals. As it says in Psalm 104, 21, Psalm 104, 21, the young lions roar after their prey and seek their meat from God. And Psalm 147, 9, Psalm 147, 9, he giveth to the beast his food and to the young ravens which cry. See, it's all about how God provides. It's all about God providing. That's what's emphasized by this title, son of man. It's God providing for man. As it says in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich, might become rich, might be rich. So when the Lord Jesus uses this term, son of man, he's emphasizing his grace because he's emphasizing it's for our sake that he became the Son of man that he became poor so that we could be rich
0: another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on friendship with God don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendship with God Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and a half point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible Scripture References section, Bible Reference Help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org. friendshipwithgod.org.